Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. We're on the world listening to this radio broadcast. Stevie B's Media Production presents the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler. And this radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio in the great state of North Carolina with my co-host, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Dr. Frank Washington Jr. from the state of Florida, Stanley Hubbard from the state of Indiana, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Steve Cordell from the state of Illinois, and my newest co-host, Johnny Morris from the state of Georgia, Yusuf Ford from the state of Indiana, and Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just so grateful for the privilege to bring you a program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give us a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. Or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio website and listen to the show live there. You'll find this show on page one of that website. There's over 1,700 live shows on that website. What a blessing. And if you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com or you can go to Steve B. Media Production at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating the congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and study along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask you to bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be my co-host on the show this evening, Dr. Frank Washington Jr., and you support as they break into our listeners, the bread of life, and also my co-host Clay Phillips, who will be answering our shouted-out questions that are on the hearts of just so many. We just pray that you will bless them and their families that support their efforts. They may continue to sow the seed 
of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will be with our listeners who are tuning in via blog talk radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well, that they, they may consider their eternal stance before you and that their hearts may be pricked. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who died such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful until death, Father, we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. In the first segment of the show, we will have our question from our social media platform on Facebook called Shout It Out that we'll be posing to my co-host, Clay Phillips. Clay serves as the evangelist for the Rose City Church of Christ there in Thomasville, Georgia, and he'll be answering our question in that segment. And in the second segment, we have a, a my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington, Jr. He serves with the West Broward Church of Christ there in Plantation, Florida. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And to close out the show, my co-host, Yusuf Ford, he serves as the evangelist for the Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open up your Bibles now and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next the next one should be that of my co-host, Clay Phillips, as he answers our shouted out question. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Let it shine. 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out, question. We have a question from my social media platform on Facebook called Shout It Out. They want to pose to my co host, Clay Phillips. Clay, hey, Clay, how you doing, my brother? I'm doing marvelous, doing marvelous. Looking forward to answering this particular question. All right, it's a doozy, too. Let me go ahead and read the question. The scriptural reference for this question is coming from Luke chapter 1, verse 34 and 35. I'm not going to read that, but I'll just go ahead and answer the question. This question comes from uh, an anonymous query from the state of Texas. And the question is, is Jesus Christ called the Son of God because of the news the angel Gabriel would give to the Virgin Mary regarding his miraculous birth? What say you to this question? Thank you, Brother Steve, for the opportunity to be able to answer this particular question. I believe that uh, some questions are, uh, need to be avoided according to the Bible, uh, avoid foolish, unlearned questions. But this question here is one of the most astounding and striking and, and I believe sincere questions that uh, pretty much I've come across in a long time. So it's good to hear uh, good questions. So, Steve, thank you for giving me the opportunity to answer this particular question. I hope and pray that the individual that asked the question is uh, tuning in uh, on Block Talk Radio Show as well. Um, First of all, let me uh, read the text, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 34 and 35. Uh, uh, Then we'll look at the question. The Bible says, Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered uh, and said unto her, The Holy Spirit shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall shadow over thee. Therefore also that holy thing, the word thing there, Etymologically means uh, uh, one, that holy one, which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. Oh, I love this question, the Son of God. Now, first of all, let's understand this is a annunciation, uh, particular question. In other words, this question is an announcement of the incarnation 
the Savior, because they had already been predestined, prophesied. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 talked about uh, the devil and Christ that should bruise Christ's heel and Christ should bruise his head. And so on and on. And so we learned, and we learned about that there was going to be uh, a Savior to come. Now, here is the uh, annunciation of the coming of, or the incarnation. The word incarnation here is the, that the deity, when deity embodies the flesh, when deity embodies the flesh. And so we have what we have here is called a uh, abstract quality. This is an abstract quality. What do you mean by abstract, Brother Philip? The word abstract means more. In other words, there's more to the story. <laughs> Come here to me. There's more to the story here than just uh, a young lady having a baby. There's more to the story here. And so here, it give us, Luke give us the abstract quality. Uh, so when, when you look at the question, uh, the question itself is put us in awe. Even the question itself should put us in awe. Look at the question here. Let's look at the question. The question says, is Jesus Christ called the Son of God? That should put us in awe. Is Jesus Christ called the Son of God? Now, for a short answer, I would say yes. <laughs> but let, let, let's dig a little deep. Let's, let's, let's see what more. What more do we need here? Let's, let's go into what more do we need. Notice now, if you will, the question. Three things about the question. Number one, it says the angel Gabriel. Now, when you look at the, the question, because of the news, the angel Gabriel, first of all, if an angel talking to you, <laughs> you ought to be in awe. <laughs> Lord, help me up here today. If an angel talking to you, it ought to put you in awe. You ought to know this is something different. This, this is not cousin calling me on the cell phone. This is an angel that identifies himself as Gabriel. In other words, he is truthful. He is God's angel. So if you're talking to an angel, if anybody talks to an angel tonight, you know, holler at me. <laughs> because the angel now, Gabriel, we're not talking about just an angel. We're talking about Gabriel, angel Gabriel. Then not only, not only should Talking to the angel, Gabriel put us in awe. Listen to what it says here. It says, to the virgin Mary. Now, hello? What more abstract do we need? <laughs> angel, Gabriel, then virgin Mary. Now, we know chronologically, biologically, that a, a virgin cannot have a child unless there is... And abstract, there's more to the story than this. So the Virgin Mary, which had not, this, now understand now, this girl between 
13 and 17. Between 13 and 17. And some theologians say between 13 and 15. But whatever her age is, she's a young girl. And so here, and she's a virgin. We're talking about a virgin being pregnant, being impregnated. A virgin. That in itself, that's another R. Then, notice what it says. Uh, the virgin Mary, regarding her son or his miraculous birth. Then we got a miraculous birth. <laughs> I, I, I must confess that I was not born miraculously in the sense of the word uh, in God abstract. So here we must understand that the incarnation, the deity of God is being, uh, is coming forth, being predicated, the quality of, and so, so what more do we need? We can just stop right there and the question should be answered. But I got to go a little further because there, there, there's some, there's some teaching, there's some good things we can understand here about this. Now, there's a word called conundrum. Conundrum is a, a word that means a uh, confusing and difficult problem or question. Conundrum. Everybody say conundrum. Conundrum is a confusing and difficult problem. Now, Mary, the issue here is that Mary say, I got a problem. <laughs> Mary said, we got a problem here. So when you look at Luke chapter 1, verse 4, Mary said, notice now, then said Mary unto the angel, I got a problem. <laughs> I got a conundrum. How shall this be? Seeing I knew not a man. I never knew a man. Nobody bothered to touch this body. But when you look at the historicity and the biblical term and what happened in the Bible, uh, the Bible says that a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. Isaiah 7 and verse 4. So this is the prophecy being fulfilled. The problem is, what was wrong with the Jews? Did they not read this? Did they not understand the awe of this? It says in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 that a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. So, so what is the conundrum here? Why is there such a problem? What is the issue here? The Bible says in James chapter 2 and verse 19, Thou believest that there is one God. God does well. Okay, so the Jews believe that there is one God. Now, when we get to the end of this message, we want to explain to you. The Jews believe that there is one God. He does well. But notice now, notice, the Bible says the devil also believeth and trembled. See, the devil knew that this was going to happen. Even the devil know that there was something going on. Now, the issue I have uh, in the text, when you look back at the beginning of the text of Luke chapter 1, you will find out that there was a, a priest named Zechariah. 
a priest named Zechariah, which was married to Mary's first cousin. So you have Elizabeth. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth, the priest, the preacher and his wife, was old. <laughs> Watch this. Now, listen, listen. The priest and his wife was old. And the Bible says that an angel came to him. That same angel, listen now, listen, listen, listen. That same angel, Gabriel, came to the priest, to the preacher, church folks. Why is it that church folks is the one that is, have lost the awe of the Son of God? Why is it that church people have lost the awe of the Son of God in their presence? Don't you know there's angels watching? The Bible says around the throne of God in Revelation and also in Isaiah and Psalms talking about it. Every time a worship is open, there are angels watching. So here is it, 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 ah, so now, now what happened to uh, the preacher? The preacher, Gabriel went to Mary and Mary <laughs> said, now I got a conundrum I, I, because I haven't touched a man. But Mary believed. But the preacher, church folks, for some reason, don't believe in the awe of God, in the presence of God in their worship. They think it's the preacher. Preachers are trying to take over and think that they are the issue, that I'm the, I'm the bright in the morning star. <laughs> Listen, it's real. Now, now, the Bible says that Zechariah gave a talk to him, and Zechariah said, you know now, you know, you do know I'm old. You do know I'm old now. I ain't got time to be planning with you. My wife is old. And the Bible says, the angel told him, same angel said, listen, your wife's going to get pregnant. I know uh, y'all haven't had a baby. You wanted a baby and you got old, but that, that was in God's plan. That's in God's plan. That is what we call abstract. There's more to the story, Zechariah. You should have paid attention. You should have listened. And the Bible says that. Uh, God, the angel said, uh, you shall be dumb. You shall not be able to speak. Listen, if you will. You can't even speak. So you know the story. Let me tell you so. So when Zechariah, when Elizabeth got pregnant, the Bible says that Zechariah could not talk. So when, Elizabeth, when, when John the Baptist was born, and the Bible says that they came to him and said, uh, Elizabeth said, we're going to name him John. You know, we're going to ask you, that's your husband, preacher, Zachariah. Zachariah said, uh, couldn't talk because he, had, he didn't have the awe of God. He didn't have, understand that the son of God, <laughs> let, let the Bible speak, Brother Clay, he didn't understand that the son of God is coming, is going to be born six months later. He didn't understand that. And the Bible says that when, when John was born, he, his cousins and relatives and church folks said, John, now you know ain't nobody in your family named uh, Zachariah, brother. Zachariah, you know ain't nobody in your family named John? Why, why your wife Elizabeth calling him John? What, what you want to name Zachariah? He couldn't speak. He said, give me. He asked for a writing pad, and he wrote on the pad. <laughs> His name 
shall be judged. Ooh, look at it. I'm not concerned about uh, everybody else because the angels have dealt with me. The angels have got me up straight because I misunderstood the value of trusting in the conundrum of life. So what you mean, brother, the conundrum of life? In other words, the confusion, the difficulties, and the problems that we go through, there is a conundrum of life. So here we must understand, then now Mary, Mary, drop down to verse number 34, the Bible says Mary has health issues, but Mary believed, even though the preacher didn't believe. <laughs> That's why you got to be careful. Of the preachers that don't, that preaching that don't believe that, that uh, Mary believed and bore this son of God. Now, 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 understand this: when we are in awe, what what the lesson is teaching us? What is the lesson teaching us? Let's go to Hebrews chapter two. Let, let me take you to Hebrews chapter two. Everybody, turn the Bible down to Hebrews chapter two, and I got to commence reading at verse number. Two, Hebrews 2, verse 2. Now, I, I can't start at verse number 1. It says, let me say verse number 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more honest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we shall let them slip. In other words, uh, the Jews had let the prophecy of Isaiah slip, that the virgin shall conceive. So, so the question is, is Jesus called the Son of God because of the news of the angel Gabriel? Yes, if an angel talking to you, that's, that's, that, that in itself is abstract. Then it says, uh, not only that, would give, that a virgin would give a birth, woo, that in itself is abstract. A virgin giving unheard of, a miracle birth, woo, that is abstract. So we have three abstracts here. Then we must understand Hebrews, the writer, is telling us, notice now in verse number two, he says, now notice now, he says, if, for if the word spoken by angels, hello, if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, <laughs> uh, yes, David's word was solid. Yes, his word was in awe. Overwhelming admiration was in Mary, heart, reverence, extreme, powerful. Look at it now. So, no, so the Bible says in verse number two of Hebrews chapter two, for if the word spoken by angel was steadfast, Gabriel's word was steadfast. Angel, anytime an angel of God comes, the word was steadfast. No one said and every transgression and disobedience receive a just recompense of reward, a a penalty of reward for not believing. What was what was Zachariah penalty for not believing the angel Gabriel? What was his penalty? He became dumb, couldn't speak. But after he was born, John was born, and he wrote on the paper. <laughs> Let the Bible speak, brother Philip. He wrote on the paper, and the Bible says, after he wrote on the paper, then he became, then, my friend, man, wow, 
Then he became, his voice came back to him. Listen, if you will. His voice came back to him. How then shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard it. In other words, those that heard the angel speaking, if you will. Now, let's go a little further here. Now, let me give you, uh, if you will, now let me wrap this up. Let me wrap this up. Uh, let me give you some exegesis, the exegetical study. Exegesis here uh, simply means that there's four things about when you study the Bible, the exegetical study of the Bible uh, is that there is a literal term, which means uh, what is happening at the moment. You've got to understand what is happening at the moment. Then you have an allegory. An allegory in exegesis is uh, what you believe, what you believe. Then you have the moral standard of the text, which means what do you do about it? Come here, come here. What do you do about it? And then we have the analogy, and the analogy is uh, where are you going? Why are you doing what you're doing? Because you know where you're going when you go. <laughs> you know where you're going when you die. So the, the whole objective here is to understand that. So now let's look back at verse number 34 again, and I'm, I'm trying to wrap it up. Let's quit like Verse number 34, let's turn back now to Luke chapter 1, and the verse is number 34. Now remember now, she said, how shall this be? She, uh, she did not, now listen, now listen, she did not, three things about Mary that we need to understand, that we need to understand about our lives. Sin, I have not known a man. The first thing about Mary recognized in the text is that Mary accept or exception was uh, implicit. It demonstrates an implicit faith meaning that her faith was steadfast even regardless of whatever happened. Even in times like these, where we're living now, the Bible says, uh, Philippians and Colossians Ephesians talked about uh, when the fullness of time came. The word fullness of time here, when you look at it exegetically, is talking about giving uh, a woman is full of birth when she's going to give, when the water breaks and she's going to have this child. And the fullness of time comes. Listen, we living in the fullness of time, y'all. The water uh, has already broken. The baby coming. Woo! The, the, the Christ is coming back. You better wake up. You better, you better can't understand this. You better understand the awe of the Son of God in our presence. So Mary, number one, Mary uh, accepts. Her, her faith was uh, implicit, meaning that her faith was steadfast. Even though everybody was talking about her, the Pharisees, even when they challenged Jesus about his, his own birth, <laughs> we was not born of fornication. They're talking to Jesus. And Jesus says, y'all were like y'all father. Y'all know I'm the son of man. I'm the son of God. <laughs> Look at God. Number two about Mary is that Mary question does not, listen, Mary question the angel does not manifest an unbelief. 
Amen? Made with question does not manifest unbelief. Like Zachariah. Zachariah questioned Gabriel was an unbelief. But Mary's question was not an unbelief. Her question was a conundrum. Number three, Mary, uh, uh, we notice Mary's uh, inclination here was that the reason why Mary was questioning it because she was astonished. She was in awe, not for her distrust of God. In other words, people, we need to wake up and start back trusting God. Trust not in man. Do not trust in man. Don't even, I can't even trust my own self. <laughs> Let the Bible speak, Brother Clayley. Do not trust in man. Okay, number 34, number 35. Now, the Bible says the Holy Spirit, back to Luke chapter 1, verse 35, and the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Spirit shall come upon thee. The Holy Spirit shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overwhelm thee. Therefore, also, that holy thing, that holy one, which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. <laughs> That's why, yes, the question is asked, did Mary believe, did Jesus' name be called that because of the angel? Yes, because of the angel Gabriel. Because of the virgin birth and because of the uh, the virgin pregnancy, because of the miracle birth. That's why, because of that. Now, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. Woo, look at this. Watch this now. Listen. Because it, it opened up her feelings. God get in touch with us. It opened up her feelings. Mary's feelings were opened up. God, hear my, use me. That's what this is all about. Understanding that Jesus came and died. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Woo! So Mary, he'll say, what is happening to Mary now is her feelings. The Bible teaches us that. She wondered, not being incredulous. She wasn't being incredulous. What do you mean by incredulous? Uh, unwilling or unable uh, to believe. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Number two, she recognized and asked for help, <laughs> for the mystery of God. Not going to be able to talk about that. Not only that, she made clear. It was made clear to her that this was no truth. <laughs> this was no mess. God is in creation. Now, uh, our infinite mind, listen, our mind is infinite. In other words, our mind is limited. Amen? Our mind is limited. The Bible says in Isaiah, God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways your ways, set the love. Now that then the sign, now, now I'm coming to wrap this up because the time is about to, the sign of God's presence. That's what this means when it says uh, the highest shall overwhelm thee. Anytime you come in the presence of God, you ought to be overwhelmed. 
That's why I can't understand when people come to worship God and the angels of heaven, even the angels worshiping God. When you come to worship God, you ought to be in awe. So the Bible says that the angel came, which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. So what do you mean by the Son of God? The oneness. It deals with the oneness of God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. So this is what it's dealing with. It's explaining to us the nature of God. It's explaining to us that the power of the highest shall overwhelm thee. That's why the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there was all but one accord in one place, and suddenly came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and they began to speak with tongues as the Spirit, as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were from all over the world, all over the nation. The body of Christ, the church of Christ, Jesus said upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's why we ought to be in awe when we come to worship. Yes! Woo! Yes! That Jesus Christ called, was called the Son of God because, yes! Of the news the angel Gabriel brought her. Was he called the Son of God because of the virgin breath? Yes. Was he called the Son of God regarding his miraculous birth? Yes. Now, my answer is yes. My question is, what more do you need? I'm your speaker, Brother Clay Phillips. Remember this. Keep it real. <laughs> Shout it out question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. It ain't easy. No. Sometimes it gets hard down here, Lord.
listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington. Good evening, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Brother Stevie, for this opportunity. I hope all is well. Uh, last week, or the last time we spoke, we talked about the levels of hell. I briefly talked about the levels of hell and uh, the levels of punishment that will be uh, conducted in hell by a just God. Um, I'd like to add just a few more uh, in pieces of information to, to this lesson so we can get a clearer understanding of will there be levels, different levels of punishment in hell for people who uh, have committed sin and know not God. Because the punishment of hell will be in keeping with, and keep this clear, it will be in keeping with divine justice. That's God's divine justice. And the all-knowing God will assess each individual life, uh, counting exactly the extent uh, of abandonment to sin, uh, those with the influence of others to sin, and the light and privilege abused. And God will assign punishment accordingly, exactly fitted to each person. Now, although the suffering will be severe and everlasting for all those in hell, the specific degrees of punishment and suffering will differ in accordance with the measure of sin that one has in their life and the extent of one's sinful influence on others and the amount of gospel light that was rejected. The Bible authors are clear that hell is a place of divine judgment on sinners. Furthermore, many authors, quite a few scholars, speak of more and less severe degrees of punishment, depending on a number of factors in one's life. And these factors include the extent to which a person has abandoned, as I said in the introduction, a person has abandoned uh, himself or herself to sin, uh, the extent of uh, that person's influence on other people towards sin, you know, those who cause people to sin, and the amount of knowledge of the truth that uh, uh, one has uh, or one had or and, and rejected. But this is not to say that hell would be less than perfect torment for some, but scripture indicates that some will have a greater capacity for suffering or that some will bear a fiercer measure of the wrath of God uh, upon them. And so the Bible writers and, and our Lord himself frequently described hell as a place of divine judgment on sinners. And in multiple passages, we find that the ideas of punishment, wrath, retribution, and vengeance are prominent. Matthew 5.22 is an example. Uh, Mark 9.43, uh, Matthew 23.33, uh, Luke 13.28, we have more in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 1, I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians 1, 5 through 10. Now, the purpose of hell is not that of rehabilitation of the sinner <clears throat> or even the obliteration of evil. The purpose is retributive justice, meaning the punishment of God <clears throat> on sinners. Excuse me. The biblical writers are not content, however, to speak of hell broadly in terms of uh, divine justice and retribution. Sometimes they go further and insist that the divine justice in hell would be specifically fitted to the guilt of each individual offender. 
And 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 tonight we're going to explore uh, that teaching. And I want to take you uh, on a journey. Uh, I want you to track this with me uh, with these four uh, basic steps. Now, step number one, biblical evidence of the concept of degrees of punishment in hell. Number two, clarification. What is meant by degrees of punishment? Number three, the reason for degrees of punishment. Number four, the basis for determining degrees of punishment. All right. Now, let's go to school. Biblical evidence for the concept of degrees of punishment. Now, I'm going to uh, provide some passages of scripture that speak directly of degrees of punishment in hell. And here, I think I did a little bit of this last time I spoke to you, uh, to you great audience. But here we're going to just cite the verses again to establish the teaching and principle. Uh, then we're going to draw on them for uh, specific exposition uh, and application. So, number one, Matthew ten fifteen. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. And the second, the other verse is Matthew eleven twenty two twenty four. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon that, than for you. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Matthew twelve thirty six uh, through 37. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account of every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words you will be uh, condemned. But because of your heart, and, and Romans 2, 5, because of your hand or your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment uh, will be revealed. And finally, Hebrews ten twenty nine. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. Those are the verses that we look at uh, to give you examples of evidence for the concept of degrees of punishment. But then we go on to clarification. What is meant by degrees uh, of punishment? Well, these statements of degrees of punishment in hell are not meant to suggest that there shall be anything less than perfect misery for every soul in hell. For every person in hell, I promise you, it will be a place of weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth, according to Matthew 8 and 12. And uh, also Revelation 14 and 11, uh, and this suffering will be forever. There's not going to be a timeout period. It's going to be, that suffering is going to be forever. But no one will have to have it easy. I mean, hell will be a place of torment and it will be a place of misery for everybody who goes there. Precisely how the degrees of punishment will be given out is not told to us. But scripture indicates plainly enough that some will have a greater capacity for suffering or that some will actually bear a fiercer measure of the positive infliction of the wrath of God upon them. All the hosts will suffer for their sin, for some that suffer that will be worse than others. Now, here's the reason for the degrees of sin. 
the infliction of punishment proportionately, proportionately in degrees is an outworking of divine justice. Now, scripture repeatedly affirms that God will judge in righteousness. God will do the judging. We can't send people to hell. And if you try to send people to hell, you're doing the wrong thing because it is not within your power. It, and I say this again, it is not within your power. It's not within the power of a preacher. It's not within the power uh, of, of an elder, uh, a Sunday school teacher. It's, they don't, no one has the power to uh, send someone to hell. Only God is going to be able to judge that, that individual, and he will judge it in righteousness. In Acts 17.31. And that it is a function of God's justice and glory to avenge every wrong. Now, friends, it is in the interest of divine justice that punishment will be given out according to the nature of, a, of the offense. Now, we see a reflection of this, for example, in the Old Testament law, which prescribed more severe punishment for premeditated murder than for accidental homicide. Uh, so also Moses, uh, even in Moses' law, prescribed measures for restitution of various offenses. The nature of the crime, the attending motivation, and the varying circumstances all determine the measure of punishment. And this explains why scripture sometimes repeatedly insists that judgment will be according to the works. Romans 2 and verse 6. And that in judgment, the books, the record books, will be open. Right? Now, there seems to be uh, no point on this matter other than that of determining the measure of accumulated guilt. And that for... Uh, the assigning the appropriate measure or measurement of punishment. And this is why God, the judge, will take into consideration the works, the words, and even the thoughts and motives of the sinners. Okay? Now, judgment is not merely for determining who is in and who is out. Uh, it is for measuring guilt and assigning punishment that is measured exactly what every individual sinner deserves. Okay? Uh, I hope you're still tracking this with me. Now we're going to go on to the basis for determining degrees of punishment. Now, what then will be the basis on which degrees of punishment will be determined, Doc? Well, uh, Scripture sets forth at least three considerations. The extent to which a person has abandoned himself to sin. We've given up. Uh, we, we, we are at the point of uh, just fought, just just I don't want to say falling in love with sin, but we've just given ourselves over to sin. And so in this first consideration, that's the ex this is the extent of abandonment to sin. This concept is entailed in Matthew 521 and other passages that indicate degrees of sin. Worst sins result in worst punishment. This seems clearly to be the point in Romans 2 5, which says uh, because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So what can this mean but that every sin committed is like making a deposit in the bank and that in the day of judgment, it's going to be withdrawn in the judgment. 
And so in judgment, every last sin will be taken into consideration in fitting each sinner for the exact degree of punishment that he or she deserves. Now, it's the fool who says or reasons, well, you know, if I'm going to hell, I might as well, you know, have my fun uh, in the meantime. Well, every day given to sin, my friend, and follow this closely, every day given to sin, you know, you want to make yourself feel good. You want to have your, you know, have your cake and eat it too. You're going to have your fun in the meantime. Well, every venting lust, every untruthful word, every next sin committed only adds to the punishment that you will, that will be assigned to you. It would be better for that man to die young than to live uh, only to uh, do what? Accumulate a lifetime of sin that will return to him in divine wrath? It makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. But the extent to which a person by example and influence has led others to sin, that's the other person. The sec- this is the second consideration. In measuring judgment is the extent to which a person who by example and or influence and this includes preachers as well, has led others to sin. And this is what our Lord affirmed in Matthew 8, 5 through 7. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around their neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Mark 9 uh, and verse number 38. But here James pronounces a woe to those who become Uh, an occasion for others to sin. The degree to which a person influences others to sin will in turn serve in part to establish the degree uh, of his own of his own punishment. Now, this appears to be at least one reason why there must be a day of judgment at the end of time. Final judgment is not fixed upon the death of every individual sinner. It is not until the end of time that the full effect of the influence of any one life, any one life can be measured. And now the omniscient God will take every individual and assess every aspect uh, of his or her influence. And sometimes an influence that extends for centuries. And to the basis of accumulated influences of evil, God will mete out the punishment upon the wicked. God's going to do that. God's going to do it. We can't do that. It wouldn't it wouldn't work for us if we, if we did that. But the thoughts of the, the, the thought of this is stunning and deeply sobering. If, if you if you if you're tracking this with me, watch this. Listen to this. That father and mother who refuse Christ and in turn influence their children away from the things of God will all they're doing is increasing their guilt and the punishment they'll receive for it and their children as well. That older brother or sister or that friend or work associate who uh, stands above his or her peers and who uses their position of influence uh, to commit sin or influence sin and to ignore the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of that, all of that will be brought to bear in the day of judgment to measure the degrees of punishment those individuals, he or she or them, uh, will receive. Next, we have the extent to which the light and privilege are abused. The gospel light. Gospel light radio show. The third consideration is measuring judgment is the term or is the is, is to the extent to which light and privilege 
were abused. Jesus speaks directly to this in Luke chapter 12, verse 47. And he says, And that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a, a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. And everyone to whom much is given of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrust much, they will demand <clears throat> much more. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, the contrasting expression, severe beating and light beating, indicate contrasting degrees of punishment. Both of the men in view here were servants accountable to their master, but did things that were worthy of punishment. And both, in fact, received punishment, but one had more understanding that the other, uh, than the other, and as a consequence, received a greater punishment. Now, both received lashes, but for the one, it was many. For the other, it was few. And at least we, and if, if you miss this point, our Lord interprets the parable for us. He says, everyone uh, to whom much was given of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. That's to say, the extent of light and privilege abuse will be determined in part the measure of their judgment. Now, uh, Jesus also speaks to this consideration in other places in Scripture. Uh, in Matthew ten fifteen. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for their own. So, as wicked and as guilty and as deserving of punishment as Sodom was, the greater sin belonged to Chorazin and Bethsaida. For they had seen and heard our Lord himself and had refused him. And for their abuse of such great light and privilege, their judgment is going to be more, a whole lot more. So, for me, as a, as a teacher... It's deeply disturbing that the person who grows up in a society in which the gospel is readily available and the person who grows up in a Christian home have great light and great privilege. The person who attends a gospel preaching church uh, or gospel church and, 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 and has uh, great light and privilege, uh, the person who has a Christian friend who witnesses to him and uh, about Christ, about Jesus and what it means to be saved has great light. And privilege. And for this light and privilege, God will hold them accountable. If such privilege is refused, judgment will be unspeakably great. For those who have heard the gospel, only finally to refuse it, the gospel preached to them will in the end have served only to increase their guilt and enhance the punishment that they will receive. So what's the takeaway? What's the final thought on this? Well, I think the final thought about this is the punishment of hell will be in keeping with divine justice, as I said before. The all-knowing God will assess each individual life, counting exactly the amount of ab abandonment to sin, the influence of others to sin, and the light and privileged abuse. And he will assign punishment accordingly, exactly fitted for each person. So surely, this ought to capture your conscience 
especially uh, for those sinners, uh, that they would uh, restrain their sinning and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Even more so, this ought to drive any sinner to run to Christ and be saved. And surely this thought might drive every believer, you and me, to humble yet glad praise for our Redeemer who took all of our sin to himself and paid the full price, absorbing the full wrath of God in our place in order to make us his. I hope this lesson was helpful and I hope you've learned something. And I hope you uh, will uh, accept this and apply it to your life and help someone to be a part of, of Jesus Christ, to to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And as members of the body of Christ, if we are uh, sinning or causing others to sin, you know, we want to, you know, look at this and, and back up a little bit and take an inventory of ourselves and make sure that we will not fall into that area uh, uh, in hell. So I hope this lesson was helpful to you. Um, and I thank you for listening. Uh, may God bless you and keep your hand in God's hand. Stay in God's grip. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. This is a program reminder. Stephen P. Music Production presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. The telephone number to the live show is 713-955-0508. And the website is www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Gospel Light Radio Show. On Tuesday evening, I'm hosting a live show every second, third, and fourth Tuesday of the month entitled What the Word of the Lord Radio Show. And the second Tuesday of the month, this show will air from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we'll have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Church of Christ who will be making a proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And also during that show, we have the Green Corner segment that's designed for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our community. We also have two co-hosts on that show, Lou Gilbert. He's the evangelist for the Oakwood Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And Iceland Mullins, he served the Church of Christ there in Cary, North Carolina. Then on Thursday evening, I'll be hosting a live show every second, third, and fourth Thursday. I'm sorry. I'm still on Tuesday. This is the third Tuesday of the month. This show will air from 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And my co-host is Dr. Antherica Lane. She's a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist, and she serves with the Great Road Church of Christ there in Cincinnati, Ohio. And she'll be hosting her show, Conversations with Dr. Lane. And the fourth Tuesday of the month. That show that show will air from 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And my co-host is Kelly Fletcher. She serves the Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. And she'll be hosting her show, The Kelly Fletcher Show. And now on Thursday evening, I'll be hosting a live show, the Gospel Light Radio Show, and the show air from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I have eight co-hosts on this show, Clay Phillips, Yusuf Ford, Dr. Frank Washington Jr., Steve Cotto, Stanley Hubbard, and my newest co-hosts, Johnny Morris, and Glenn McMillian, and Brian Christian Coleman. And these gentlemen will be making their proclamation of the Gospel of Christ, and each week I have two of my co-hosts on the air with me. I'm also taking a question from my social media platform on Facebook that I'll be posting to one of my co-hosts on that live show. 
Then on Friday night, I'll be hosting a live show, Stevie B, Acapella Gospel Music Blast. And this show is the 2022 recipient for the Macama National Academy of Fish and Acapella Music Arts Award for Outstanding Achievement in Record or Radio. And this show will air from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. And on this show, I'm playing some of the world's greatest Acapella Gospel Music Artists, Sweet Sounds of Voices. I'm also interviewing artists, writers, and producers. And we're also debuting new music and featuring old music as well. And every third Friday of the month, we'll be doing my Top 20 Countdown show. And we also have on-demand episodes. Wherever you're getting your favorite podcast from, just go to the various musical platforms, uh, Spotify. We're now on Pandora and also iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Apple iTunes, YouTube, just and just, just to name a few. And we also have recorded version shows. These shows with album debuts mostly. And, and you can go to the live, uh, listen to these shows on iHeartRadio, Deezer, and Amazon Music. And these shows are also in beta high five. And we also have, want to thank our sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. If you'd like to become a sponsor, just contact the sponsorship manager, Michelle Marco from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The telephone number is 954 687 The three E's of Stevie B Media Production. It is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, want to edify, want to encourage you in a study of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcements. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. It all gets better with time. It all gets better with time. 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host, Yusuf Ford. Good evening, Brother Stevie. Thank you so much for this opportunity and every one of you listening to this podcast and radio broadcast tonight. Happy New Year. I wish you the best this year. Hopefully you landed softly and this year promises to be the best year yet. Best year as far as health, wealth, and prosperity, opportunity, and happiness goes. John the Blood wrote, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospereth. Third John chapter 1, verse 2. Can I get an amen? I also hope this message I share with you will begin to unlock some of the questions that may not have been answered the previous year or last year. If you have a specific question, feel free to contact me by email or through the contact informational page linked to this program. Let's jump right into our subject for tonight, 100 miles an hour. This is a lesson or subject that I shared with the church last Sunday morning. To begin in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, I beseech you, you, therefore, brethren, 
by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Also, a accompanying passage is Psalms chapter 90, verse 10 through 12. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. The title of our lesson again is 100 Miles an Hour, and it's based upon the thought that we sometimes go 100% every day for years and don't consider the consequences or of our overall well-being. We often sacrifice our bodies, yes, we, we, we must, but not to the extent of damaging our overall health and, well, and our mental well-being. In other words, uh, we go, 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 go without considering the outcome. Are you one of those people? <laughs> Does this sort of describe you? We must give 100%, but we have to learn how to pace ourselves. But what about Ecclesiastes 9, okay, in verse 10, where Solomon says, what sort of your hands find to do, or whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do with all your might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. I, I, I completely agree with that passage. But read the following verse, where he said, I returned and saw in the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Time is the common denominator here. The Bible doesn't give us a meaning of time, but it tells us, it tells us how to use it. I was asked uh, a few weeks ago or some time ago about clarification of Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and I thought, might spend a, a little time there tonight. First, let's think about what the apostle is not saying. And so we know that we're, we're to sacrifice our body. Our body is a living sacrifice, not in the sense of the Old Testament sacrifice, or it talks about Abraham offering it up, Isaac. But we have to use our body our physical bodies in order to serve the Lord. We have to use our physical bodies in order to mission uh, to the world and how to bring other people into Christ and, and to serve in this kingdom. But he's not telling us to, in short, sacrifice your body to the point that you cannot serve him. And I've seen this happen. I've seen people literally in the church for years Go, 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 go every single day, even on Sunday, even on Saturday, taking no breaks, constantly serving to the point where they wear down. The expression uh, burning the candle at both, both, both ends and to the point where now they're sick, they're in the hospital, they're calling for the ministers, they're calling for the elders because they literally have worn out their bodies. And this is not what Paul is referring to in Romans chapter 12. And I tried to make that clear to 
some of the people, some of the members that were asking me about this particular passage and about their well-being in their life now as they've gotten older. So in short, he's not telling us, don't sacrifice your health. Don't sacrifice your well-being. Because if you can't serve him and serve your family, who will? Who will care for your family if you're sick? Who will pay your bills if you're unable to work? Who will take care of your family if you have a mental or spiritual breakdown? Who will care for your family if you're in the hospital disabled? We use our bodies to serve the Lord, but he teaches us how. Instead of going at 100 miles an hour that we're used to going, that's the pace that we set. Remember, the speed limit is only 55. <laughs> okay. The operative word is limit. Now, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 6, and if you will, drop down to about verse 30 and 31. I'll give you a second to get there. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. Listen to this passage because it means a lot. And it means a lot in reference to this conversation you and I are having about the sacrifice of our body and our health and our well-being. The pace, the pace, the limits. And it speaks to that really, really well, in my opinion. It says, and the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and he and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there are many coming, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Do you see that? Doesn't that speak to what we're saying here? Even the Lord <laughs> knew that they couldn't keep up that pace. He said, well, wait a minute, stop. Let me pull these, my disciples, my apostles away from this, this situation. You know, it's good that they're working for the Lord. It's good that they're going out there into the byways and the highways, spreading the, the good news of the kingdom healing. But when they came back to him, Jesus uh, retreated. Jesus not only retreated, to be alone himself, he also teaches us to do that. He taught them to do that. They worked in his kingdom, and then he said, take a break. They worked in his kingdom, and he said, stop now, stop and rest. Another passage is Mark chapter 3, verse 6. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude of, uh, from Galilee followed him and from Judea. So you see what he, what he did? He withdrew himself from the people. I love the fact that he took his disciples away from all of the chaos and the questions, anxiety and the trials, the problems of others, so that they could rest their thoughts, so that they could rest their bodies so that they could recover, so that they could think. We get so wound up with other people's problems, we adapt theirs. I've done it. Many have done it. Brother Stevie's probably done it. Many of the ministers that 
preach on this program have done it. And the next thing you know, we're pulling not only our wagon, but two wagons, then three wagons, then a train. <laughs> we're pulling cars down the train track. And we break down and break up and break out and people move on. They don't even bother to look back to see how we're doing. They just keep moving at the same pace with the same problems and we're out of commission. Remember, this is something that I had to tell myself and something I, I still tell myself and I would tell all the ministers that are listening, all the elders, that are, all the leaders that are listening, all the moms and dads that are listening. You can't solve all the problems of the world. Just because Jesus could carry the cross of the world doesn't mean you or I can. Remember that. Secondly, God gives and commands breaks. Rest. Sabbath. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 4 next says, For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into their rest. When we practice this purposeful pause, we make room for God to make or to take up residence in our individual lives and in our community. That's what God's trying to do here. He commanded the rest so that they could think about him, so that they could spend their thoughts and their their minds and their time in meditation of what God had done and what and his power in their lives and his control over them. Spending time with God, that's what the Sabbath is all about. David wrote in Psalms chapter 127, verse 2, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows of for so he giveth his beloved sleep. And that's what we need sometimes. Another thing, rest, sleep, a pause, time to, to, re, to gather ourselves, to reconnect with God, to focus on him. And at the same time, our body is recovering. It's giving recovery time or healing time. Uh, and God is in this process of the recovery. Um. Speaking on the physical side, much of the repair and growth in sleep and in resting is in the muscles, especially sleep. Sleep is, is vital, is vitally important. Some people say, I can't sleep. Well, that's because you, you've gotten, gotten accustomed to just being up. I can't sleep at night. Well, go to bed. If you practice going to bed sleeping, you will begin to, to learn how to sleep. You, it's very important to have this not only just sleep, REM, which is rapid eye movement sleep, the body shifts from its resources to the task of repairing tissue and cells, um, which is what scientists explain in rapid eye movement. And so it also begins to reboot this, uh, the CNS energy and function, which is a central nervous system. So all these systems are repairing during the time of our sleep. So if you don't sleep, your body can't re repair itself. And this is an absolute vital task after physical and mental stress occurs. Now, even in nature, I love to be outside in agriculture. I love farming. I should have probably been a farmer. I love farming. But letting the field life fall, uh, follow, I believe that's how they pronounce it, um, F-A-L-L, 
O-W, I believe that's how you spell it, which means unplanted for a year or for a space of time helps restore the soil's natural nutrient balance. You have to leave it alone. It rests. Resting soil stops it from being further depleted. But resting alone doesn't replenish all of the nutrients. Um, that's, that's vital to vegetation growth. Sometimes they have to add chemicals. They have to add calcium. They have to add chalk. They have to add different nutrients to the soil and let it sit for a space of time in order for, for the farmer to begin to grow, um, to, to, to plant those fields. Those of you from the South already know this. It's just us Northerners don't understand the process. But even God knew this. This is why he com commanded Moses. Turn to Exodus chapter 23, if you would. And verse 10, this is the instruction that God gave Moses. In six years thou shalt sow thy land and shalt gather in the fruits thereof. But the seventh year thou shalt let it rest and lie still that the poor of the people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the field shall eat. And in like manner shalt thou deal with the vineyard, thy vineyard and with thine olive, olive yard. Six years thou shalt do thy work, and on the seventh day thou shalt rest. You know what God commanded the children of Israel? And what's more, that thine ox and thine ass may rest, and the son of thy handmaid and the stranger may be refreshed. This is what God commanded the children of Israel. And you know what? He knows what's best. He knows how to heal both the, the, the physical body and the earth that we exist on, this planet that we uh, exist on. He knows what it needs. And so he commanded the people, be still, lie still. You're just up moving all the time, just can't sit still. He said, be still. We fail to take this into consideration sometimes and, and just keep going, even on this, on Saturday, even on Sunday. We just go, 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 go. And believe me, it will take its toll in time. Therefore, we must plan the rest. We must plan everything, which brings me to another thought. <clears throat> I heard someone say that when we fail to plan, we, you plan to fail. Pace and order. This is what God wants. Even God is ordered. First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse thirty-three. For God, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches or the saints. God is ordered, and our time should be ordered. Our days should be ordered. All of this needs to take be, uh, be taken into consideration. Sometimes we ask ourselves, Why am I sick? Why am I tired? Why is my body breaking down? We already know the answer. Let me name a few. Improper rest, improper food, constant worry and stress. Plan and pace yourself this year. Start today. Start tomorrow. Make a plan. Put a plan together for your year. Put a plan together for your week. And, and also include in that plan... Rest and recovery time. Take time to relax and recover. <clears throat> the next thing is I want to talk to you about is self-care. I heard a person use the phrase not long ago um, and ask the question, are you responsible, which means being responsible 
is a situation where you are able to respond. Have you created that in your life, that you can respond to any type of situation? And that goes without saying, if you don't do it in the in the beginning, if you don't make the t- take the time to figure out what's going to happen, what could possibly happen, then you can't respond to those things, those situations when they do. And so as far as your self-care, you start taking into consideration what's the best way to care for yourself. And it's not being selfish because I said again, I'll say it again. If you don't take care of yourself, who is going to take care of you and who is going to take care of your family? You will have to do that. You have to figure out that in advance. And that takes time, takes planning. And if we're not taking, if we're not planning, and if not planned, if you haven't thought it out entirely, then your plans will fail. Taking care of your body, proper maintenance, has nothing to do with the quality of where you are. I'll take. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Toyota makes one of the best cars in the world. I have one, and they're known for lasting for years and years and years. You can get a five hundred thousand miles on a Toyota or a million miles easily if you if you take care of it. But you just can't drive the thing without taking care of proper maintenance. Improper maintenance. You'll be on the side of the road. Any car, I don't care how expensive it is, if you don't take care of it and maintain prop and have proper maintenance, then it's of no value, and your body's just the same. You, if you don't take care of your body, you say, "When I was old, younger, I could do this, I could do that." As you get older, you <laughs> you could still do that if you maintain proper maintenance, but often what happens? We get older, we we move less, we eat worse, improper rest or none, stress, and then the next thing you know, they're calling in the toll truck. So this year, eat properly, exercise, walk, stretch. Don't go overboard. i tell you a true story. My dad, one time, my dad was staying with my brother, my sister and brother-in-law, uh, before he passed away, and they went to church one Sunday and came back home from church service, and there was a, a pound cake that was on the table before they left, but my father was home by by himself. And when they came back, the pound cake was gone, and my brother-in-law looked at the, on the table, and he asked my sister, said, didn't, didn't we have a pound cake? Am I... Am I Am I imagining this? And, and and she said, yeah, it's a pound cake on the table. So they asked my dad, hey, hey, dad. Yeah, somebody. You just call people somebody. Where's that pound cake? Where's that pound cake that was on the table? He looked at my brother-in-law and said, huh? <laughs> Where is the pound cake that was on the table this morning? Ladies and gentlemen, don't you know my dad ate that entire pound? You 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 can't do that. You can't do that. You can't eat an entire pound cake, brethren, and four, five, six, seven pieces of chicken, gravy, and potatoes, and greens, and a couple of rolls, and you you, you can't do that. You got to pace yourself. You have to 
eat properly and not overeat and eat the right things and exercise. Man, I tell you what, some guys wouldn't bend over unless you dropped a donut. <laughs> you have to exercise. Walk? Are you kidding me? They'll walk to that table, walk to the kitchen table and walk back to the couch. That's not it. You have to move. You have to exercise. You have to eat properly. You have to stretch. Man, they wouldn't stretch over unless you dropped a, a, a dollar on the ground or a chicken leg. Come on. We have to move, ladies and gentlemen. We have to eat properly. We have to think properly. We have to rest this year. And if you think you're invincible, you're wrong. Listen, 1601 East NASA Parkway, Houston, Texas, 77058. What is that? That's where NASA is. And if you keep going at that rate, somebody will be saying, Houston, we have a problem. You're going to have big problems. You can't go like that. And how many, we've gone like that for year after year after year. This year, 2024 is going to be different, right? I want you to say it right now. 2024 is going to be different. Not only am I not going to go at 100 miles an hour, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to go with the speed limit, 55, 50, 45, 35 for some of us. Listen, slow down. You're moving too fast. I have a snapshot of a turtle on my phone. His name is Jonathan. According to um, Smithsonian or some of these other websites that I've looked at previously, Jonathan's 190 years old. But he's not the oldest turtle, but he's one of the oldest turtles uh, that we have recorded in history. And I thought about turtles, and, and, and I'm very interested in turtles because turtles don't move fast, right? Not the hair, the, like the whole story of the turtle and the hair. Turtles are not trying to move any. They're not trying to get there real fast. They just moseying along. But they get to where they're going. is like nature. And life is, remember nature this year. Because it's not going to move at, a, at a, an alarming speed. Just because you want it to be spring doesn't mean it's going to be spring. I want, I'm waiting for the hot weather. I want it to be 70 or 80 degrees outside. I can't wait to win, for winter to be over. Sorry to hurt your feelings. Winter is not going to, summer is not going to speed up for you just because you're ready for winter to be over. And if you think about nature, everything in nature gets done. Everything that needs to be done when the spring comes, the flowers will pop up, the grass will just start poking through, the, the leaves will start budding, the trees will start budding. Very slowly, everything has an appointed time moves. Really, really slow. It reminds me of Southern people they're not in a hurry to do anything, but they get everything done. People in the north in Indianapolis where I live just go, 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 go. Just look at people and you're like, wow, man, they're making me nervous. But you think about that turtle. Turtle's just moving real slow. Unless you put an apple in front of him, he's like, oh. he'll gobble it up real quick. But in terms of moving, he's just barely moving. Whereas the, you know, the... The rabbit, he's just racing, and then the hawk sees him up in the air. Oh, wow, that looks like good eating down there. And he's moving too fast, so he gets caught. So this year, just remember Jonathan the turtle. 
snapshot them and put them on your screen so you can remember. Slow down. Take your time. Enjoy life. Don't get caught up with everybody's problems this year. Worry about yourself. Recover. And then you can help your family. You can help other people. You can't help them if you're sick. You want to serve in God's kingdom? You want to serve the, your family the best and your community the best you can and on your job? Slow down. Take your time. Think things through. Get the proper rest. Get the right nutrition. Drink plenty of water. Like John said, I wish above all things that you were in good health first and prosper second, even as your soul prospers third. These are all biblical things. And then you can think about Romans 12. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, it's perfect, it's, it's ready for the service. It's not overworked, it's not stressed out, it's ready for God's kingdom. So I hope this helps you tonight. God bless you this year. Have a wonderful week, a great weekend, and I look forward to speaking to you in the next month. God bless you. Thank you, Brother Stevie, for this opportunity again, and thank you all for listening tonight. Be well. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Everybody wants a hero. Everybody needs a friend. Mm, shoulder to lean on. Everybody needs a helping hand. Well, you ought to try Jesus. Said he's just a prayer away. See, he can make your burdens light up to your midnight. In the day, yeah. he's so much more than a healer. When you're feeling kind of down, that is more than able. I don't want no healing. Turn your life around. Whatever you make 
listening to the gospel light radio show ladies and gentlemen that's our show i want to thank you for spending a little time with us this evening in a study of god's word i want to thank both my co-hosts dr frank washington and yusuf ford for their fine lessons they've given on this broadcast and also my co-host uh clay phillips he answered our shouted out question great job in that uh presentation of answering that question as well it is my private lessons this evening have been beneficial to your spiritual lives and your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened. Because not only tuning in this radio broadcast, but you're giving yourself over to a study of God's word. So until we meet again, pray God's continued blessings upon your lives and that he bless you real, real good. You've been listening to the Gospel Light radio show. On behalf of my co-host, we really do appreciate your love and support 
for these programs. I'm your host, Steve Rob Butler. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Length Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.